Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Today, we tackle a question from a listener who asks, why were my tomato seedlings last spring so skinny? Debbie Flower and I run through all the possibilities, and you know, it turned out to be a very good tomato seed planting primer, something you may want to keep in mind when you're starting tomato seeds indoors next January or February or March. The plant of the week, it's a colorful warm season annual that will be widely used in celebrations next week. No, it's not the pumpkin for Halloween. No, it's a plant with even more cultural significance a couple of days after Halloween. It's the marigold. You're going to have to listen to find out why. It's on episode 149 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Hi, Fred. This is Ken from Palo Alto. And this last year, I started growing my tomato plants from seed uh, starting about January. I did various varieties, including Better Boy, Early Girl, Cherokee Purple, etc. And all of the plants seemed to be a lot skinnier and less hardy in March when the Garden Center varieties came out. The plants also didn't seem to do as well in general. Is there any hints of what I could do better next year to grow hardier seedlings? Thanks again for all your advice, and I value your expertise. Thank you. Thank you, Ken, from Palo Alto in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. He contacted us via SpeakPipe. If you'd like to give us a question, I hope you could use SpeakPipe.com. It's very easy. You go to SpeakPipe.com slash Garden Basics and press the button and away you go. And we would love to hear your voice here on the Garden Basics podcast. Debbie Flower is here, our favorite retired college horticultural professor. Sounds like Ken may need, I'm thinking more light. Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations to Ken for starting his tomatoes from seed and yeah. getting a plant. You know, that's that's a a, a hurdle that not everyone gets over. Yeah, but it's a good hurdle to get over just because there is just so many more varieties available yes. via seed. Yes, and January was about the right time to start tomatoes from seed in Palo Alto, so good timing. Uh, I think you're right. I think light is one of the factors that he may need to increase. And the other one that came to mind for me was wind. Plants, he said they're thin. Plants will be thin unless they're challenged by movement. Uh, The experiment was done by shaking a a greenhouse table for 10 minutes a day. (laughs) Um, I'm not into shaking the table, so uh, I use a fan, and that shakes the stem of the plant and makes it thicker. It'll be a shorter, stouter plant. 10 minutes a day is a, is a good amount, and so I use an oscillating fan that goes back and forth and makes those stems move. 
if you've ever had a cast, have you? I have not had a cast on a on a limb, an arm, or leg, something like that. You have to wear if you have a break a bone, you know. Knock on wood, no. Yeah, same here. <laughs> People who have to, who have broken a bone of, of an arm and a leg have to wear a cast that immobilizes that part of the limb for uh, I think it's about six weeks. I'm sure it varies, but and when they take the cast off, that that limb is very weak. It's thin and weak. It has no muscle on it because it hasn't been used. That's what I like in the, the tomato that has been grown without wind is the one that's been in the cast. The one that's grown uh, with wind is the one that has been able to exercise all those six weeks and create muscle. In a plant, it's called reaction wood. Reaction wood. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ken didn't give us very many de- details about how or where he's growing Correct. these seedlings. And I have a funny feeling if it was just in a sunny window, they would be rather bent. Yes. Yes. He talked about thin, but he didn't mention bent, but they yeah. would bend toward the light. Right. Uh, he may have turned them daily mm-hmm. and gotten them to grow straight or straighter, but that won't thicken them up. Right. And a fan is a great idea. And maybe one of those indoor type greenhouses that's basically a plant rack with a set of fluorescent lights or LED lights above above it that you can adjust the height. And a lot of people don't put those lights close enough right. to the seedlings. It, it has to be just a couple of inches above. Yes. And they need to be, in the case of fluorescence, they need to be relatively new. Not the ones you take out of your office because you're putting new ones in the office or whatever. Uh, they need to be relatively new. Fluorescent light bulbs decline in quality over time. Like us. <laughs> yeah. No, we're getting better with okay. age. So, yeah, and they need to be very close. It needs to be um, a very strong uh, amount of light. In a class with students, I had them use light meters and measure amounts of light close to windows, let's say, and then a foot away. And the amount was incredibly different, much less light a foot away from the window, close to a fluorescent bulb and a foot away. The amount of light declines very quickly when you get away from those light sources. So the light over a tomato, LED or fluorescent would be ideal because they're cool sources of light and you won't burn the leaves when you have them so close to the plant, should be max two inches over the plant. Right, and you would want it on a rack where you can easily adjust the height of the lights to allow for the plants to grow. Right, and those are made, um, like you said, sort of like indoor greenhouses. One setup I had was in the guest room of a house and I hung eye bolts in the ceiling and... Uh, chains from the eyeballs and a fluorescent fixture on the chains. And so I could raise and lower the two ends of the fluorescent bulb and move the plants around so the taller ones were on one side and the shorter ones on the other side and keep the light approximately two inches away from those plants. And in my experience with fluorescent lights, the longer ones are better than the shorter ones. You can buy fluorescent bulbs as small as like a foot long, but I always opted for the three foot long in a dual fixture where you could mix a shop light <clears throat> with a cool light bulb that had sort of a blue hue to it. Right. Uh, fluorescents do come in, and I'm sh- and LEDs for sure do come in different colors. You don't have to spend the money for a full spectrum bulb to grow seedlings. If you want to bring something to flower and fruit, then yes, you do. But just to grow seedlings, to like to start your tomatoes for your vegetable garden, you don't need a full spectrum light bulb, but you do need the blue spectrum and the pink spectrum. The one you use in the bathroom 
will be cons- will be the pink one because it makes you look lovely and <laughs> <laughs> really yes. I did not know that <laughs> it makes your flesh look beautiful uh, and and then there will be the cool ones which are the the more officey type bulbs but they should tell you whether they're in the blue spectrum which is cool or the warm spectrum which is the reds and you want one of each so yes you want a fixture that will hold two bulbs and for those of you born in the 21st century yes LED lights are the way to go they are if you've got the fixture and the money. They've gotten a lot cheaper, yeah. I have to say. Yes, they have. And they're very adjustable. Uh, some are on like goosenecks where you can just sort of bend it to get mm-hmm. it closer to the plant. If you're doing a bunch of plants, and he mentioned uh, one, two, three, at least cultivars, that one gooseneck may not be enough. Right. As far as fertilization of these seedlings, would mm-hmm. that help at all? Hard to tell. He didn't tell us anything about the color of the plants, I would use color of the leaves and the stems as an indication of deficiency. If they're a good green color, then whatever he was doing was probably sufficient. But if they weren't, if they were showing yellow, then that, that would indicate a, a lack of nitrogen. But a weekly, weekly, mm-hmm. a weak fertilization done on a regular basis is the best thing for the plants. I guess we should go all the way back to the beginning uh, to help Ken out here because, you know, now I'm thinking, well, maybe he was using garden soil or something heavy that retained too much moisture and was too cool. So if you are going to start tomatoes from seed, there are several ways you can do it. My favorite is to start them in three inch containers, uh, maybe three to a pot. And then as they come up, keep the strongest one and remove, cut off the other two. Mm hmm. The reason for the three inch pot is that way you can keep it in that pot until it's time to uh, transfer it to the yard. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, it saves you a step and you won't be damaging the roots. The soil that I would use would be a seed starting mix. Right. And that's good enough for getting that plant started. Yes, it is. And a seed starting mix is usually a mix of of peat or quar. Maybe compost, compost and some organic component. Right. And perlite or your favorite lava rock or whatever it's called. Right. Pumice. (laughs) Pumice. Yes. Um, Pumice is fairly large, but it's lightweight. Perlite is the an addition to container media that I use really only when I'm starting seeds. It, It is actually lava rock or a type of expanded rock, which lava rock is. Pumice doesn't come out of a volcano, but it, oh. it it becomes somewhat like a lava rock when it's treated. It is uh, heated very hot like lava rock is, and it pops out sort of like popcorn, And it, but it's lightweight. And when you start seeds, pumice is probably a little bit too heavy, too big, unless I haven't found small pumice. Probably exists, but I haven't found it. So you want small particle sizes, and the pumice I'm aware of is a little too big for that. So maybe like a one-third mix of peat moss, compost... And pumice or perlite. Right. And you're good to go uh, as long as you have good drainage. And I think a lot of people make mm-hmm. the mistake of just putting these containers where they're growing their uh, tomato seedlings in a solid container where there is no drainage per se, that it's basically sitting in water and you need to raise it and, or have a bottom container that allows for the water to fall off to a lower level. Over time... The media in a seed starting mix, as in any uh, container media, soilless mix, will shrink down and you think you're watering the plant and the water goes around the top and down the sides and out the bottom. And you have a drainage in the grow pot and then you're in some kind of solid structure underneath. Pie plates work, whatever. This won't be at the beginning where you're first starting the seed. It'll be a month in, let's say. And I let it sit in that water for an hour. 
maybe two hours. I go do something else and yeah. I come back and then drain the liquid that's in the bottom. That amount of time allows some of the moisture to be soaked back up into the pot. If you're using a lot of fertilizer, you may end up with a white crust on the surface. That means the water has been soaked. The water and the nutrients have been soaked up to the top of the surface and the water evaporated, the nutrients stay behind. That's an indication of too much fertilizer, but it allows that media to get wet. At what point would you fertilize those seedlings? I can remember laying in bed at at, at home <laughs> while and I was teaching and the students had started their s- seeds in uh, media without fertilizer and just worrying. It's a weekend, you know, and I had to go to school, open the greenhouse and see what was going on. When I first drew leaves would probably be the the time to, to fertilize. Any All seeds contain a baby plant. Fully formed baby plants got roots, got something called cotyledons, which are seed leaves, and it's got a bud, which contains the first true leaves of the of the plant. And all it needs to do is get out of that seed and start growing and get to sun. And it, until it gets to sun and can make its own food, it uses what's in the cotyledons, which is plant food, to survive. And so the in some plants, the cotyledons come up. Beans are a classic. The cotyledons come out of the ground. You can see them. They look like a split bean, one half on either side of the stem. Peas would be the same way. Um, in tomatoes, I don't, yes, they get a cotyledon yep. leaf. It's a long, thin uh, cotyledon leaf. Then the first true leaves in a tomato are divided, and they have a, a more toothed margin to uh, the edges of all those divisions. They look like a tomato leaf. They look like a tomato leaf, right. That's the first true leaf. At that point, the cotyledon food has typically been used up or is almost used up, mm. and the cotyledons will turn yellow and fall off. And so that's the point where it may need more fertilizer. And here we come back to weekly, weekly. Weekly, weekly, right. <laughs> yes. right. A weak fertilizer applied weekly. Right. And there are a lot of... <laughs> Great fertilizers out there. It's just a matter of not overdoing it. Right. You read the label and apply less than it says. Mm -hmm. Maybe as much as a quarter of what it says, or as little, I should say, as a quarter of what it says on the label to use. And probably the easiest to apply would be a water-soluble fertilizer. Yes. And whatever you do, do not, if you're using crystals that are water-soluble, don't scatter the crystals on the surface of the soil and then water it in. That will burn. Yeah. I have to say that I have, with the students, because I did lay at home worrying. (laughs) (laughs) Exciting life you lead. Yes, I know. (laughs) I did put a little bit of uh, time-release fertilizer into the seedling media. Hmm. Now, that... I have to say it may cause problems with some plants. It did not with tomatoes. There is the potential that it could be too strong. Time-release fertilizer is uh, pelleted, and as when it gets wet, the coating, they act <clears throat> somewhat differently, but the coating is reacts to moisture. It either dissolves or it allows enough moisture in that the little pellet pops open. In either case, the when the fertilizer is released, right at that pellet, the fertilizer is very strong. And that can harm a baby root. And if you've only got one baby root, it could kill your plant. I did not experience death in tomatoes by using time-release fertilizer in the seedling mix. Okay. <clears throat> Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that, that other plants did not come up because of that technique. So it's something to be very careful with if you're going to try it. Do half the crop with, half the crop yeah. without. All See right. what happens. One thing we didn't mention, and we should stress, is before you put that seed in that mix of peat moss and lava rock and compost, 
would be to thoroughly water that mix. Right. I always want the students to water. Not everyone agrees with me, um, but to water the mix before we put it in the pot. In little pots, it's not so critical, six packs, let's say. But the larger the pot you use, the more critical it becomes. Because when you water, there's nothing to help draw that moisture down into the media. Pearl, uh, peat moss in particular is hydrophobic, and it does not easily absorb moisture. You have to sort of work it to get it to absorb moisture the f- when, when it is perfectly dry. Other things aren't quite so bad in terms of being hydrophobic. If it's wet before you put it in the pot, you know it's wet all the way down and the roots can travel all the way down. My fear would be if you don't water that mix and you stick the seed in a half inch or whatever the instructions tell you, probably a quarter inch, Mm. basically, and then you water it, it's going to drive that seed further down into the mix. Well, that's true, too. Moisture settles things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, You don't ever want to push on the media in a container. You do the tap tap. Explain that. (laughs) So you've made your media. We used uh, kitty litter pans or bus trugs, the kind of thing you'd uh, you'd see in a restaurant where they would collect your plates. Um, And students would get media, water it, then use their hands to mix. I always, I don't always, I like to wear gloves at home when I do that part so that it doesn't get under my fingernails and destroy everything. So mixing the wet, the moist media, then fill the pots to the top to the very top, and then tap it on the bench. Mm-hmm. So you're just ah, okay. hitting the All bench right. a couple right. of times. And that settles it. If you push on it, we're strong compared to plant baby plants. Yes. And we can push all the holes out of that media, and then the plant will struggle to get its roots down. It needs air. It needs air. Absolutely. Down there. I, on the other hand, will take the three ingredients in that soil mix and, and mix it by hand, because I love the feel of mm-hmm. it, in a bucket, and then pour water in the bucket Come back a couple hours later. Let it do its thing yeah. alone. Yep. And then just uh, grab a big glop of it and throw it in a three-inch container. Okay. I'll have to add the tapping to it. <laughs> well, maybe the throwing is a <laughs> <Yes>. substitute <laughs> for the tapping. <laughs> okay. But, but Ken, I hope that helps you. And uh, that may solve, in, in a lot of situations, the uh, skinny uh, stems. Right. And, and contact us again and let us know what happens. Yeah. One the w- word of warning, though, is... It used to be that you could plant that seed in in late February, and then by late April, it would be a transplantable size after eight weeks or so. But in this day and age, with people planting out uh, uh, here in California, especially in now late March and early April, and I still say, you're just lucky. That's all. You're just lucky. You may want to move it back to late January, but I I still prefer February for Mm -hmm. starting tomato seeds. I'll start pepper seeds in January Mm -hmm. because they're slower. Yeah, Yeah. they're much slower. Slower. Uh, uh, And in Palo Alto and here where we live, we have such a long growing season that there's no need to rush it. But there are people who want to have the first tomato on the block. Yes, they do. If you want that, just grow a cherry tomato. That works. Ken, thanks so much for your question. Debbie Flower, thanks for your help on this. Always a pleasure, Fred. We're glad to have Smart Pots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. Smart Pots, it's the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots come in a wide array of sizes and colors. If a frost or freeze is in the forecast, moving your frost tender plants that are in the Smart Pots that have handles make them easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside for the winter. 
Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of SmartPots lightweight, colorful fabric containers. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts when you buy SmartPots at Amazon. If you want to see them before you buy, SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. If you're thinking of growing fruit trees, or maybe you already have your own backyard full of fruit trees, well, you probably have a million questions. Like, which fruit trees will grow well where I live? What are the tastiest fruits to grow? How do I care for them? What are the most important things to know when starting a backyard orchard? Well, the good news is those answers are just a click away with the informative videos that you can find at DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest grower of fruit trees for the backyard garden. At DaveWilson.com, you'll also find planting tips, taste test results, fruit variety recommendations, and links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. Every week, we like to talk with Warren Roberts. He is the Superintendent Emeritus of the UC Davis Arboretum and Public Garden, and he has a great plant of the week for us. And here it is, Halloween week. But there are even holidays after Halloween, including All Saints Day and All Souls Day. And there is a plant that's associated with November 2nd, All Souls Day, and it is a plant that does well in many, many places. And Warren, I bet that would be the marigold. That would be the marigold. And before we delve into it too much, the marigold that I'm talking about today is the one with the generic name Tagetes, because there is also the word marigold is used for calendula. Um, Calendulas bloom similar colors, orange and yellow flowers, but the Tagetes has become more, more common and, and more com- more commonly grown. And the, the name Tagetes uh, is, comes from Etruscan. Tages means born from the plowing of the earth, and it reverse, refers, in this case, to the ease with which the marigolds are cultivated. They are native to, mostly to Mexico, uh, into Central America. Uh, they're, they're the few that get in the U.S., uh, this is to say the species, and also down uh, through the Andes. The typical marigold, which we th- which we think of as the African marigold, Tagetes erecta, is actually not from Africa. <laughs> it's from Mexico, and a better name would be the Aztec marigold, sometimes called the American marigold. But unfortunately, African marigold is in the in the literature. It's kind of like turkeys are from Mexico; they're not from Turkey. The confusion once it is sown. It often has a life of its own. So the another close related species, Tagetes patula, is typically called the French marigold. And that is not from France originally either, <laughs> but evidently a lot of the breeding was done. Uh, there are actually 50 species of Tagetes beyond the, the commonly grown ones. Another marigold which is becoming more and more popular is are hybrids derived from Tagetes tenuifolia. These are called the signet marigolds, and they have smaller flowers. The, the leaves are divided into usually uh, feathery uh, uh, lobes. 
And in where where I lived in South America, where this the Tigiris tenue foliage was native, it's called anis del campo because the foliage has a, a licorice-like flavor, hmm. and it was used for making teas. These Mexican species bloom at this time of year, and this is the time of All Souls Day. They're used in celebrations in cemeteries in Mexico. It's interesting that in the native country, it is used for that kind of a celebration. In other parts of the world, like India and Thailand and Ukraine, the uh, marigold has become a symbol of for celebration. In fact, there is a a, a movie about the <laughs> about Indian celebrations, and the marigold itself is one of the main characters. In those areas, it has become so popular that people think of it as a native a plant native to that area. But no, no, it's it's from uh, Mexico. The marigolds are pollinated by butterflies, bumblebees, and and beetles. The flowers are used as a food colorant in some countries, and there are other species that I should mention. Tigides lucida is sometimes called Mexican tarragon, and a tea, a traditional tea, is made of it in Mexico called pericón. It has a, a licorice-like flavor and, and evidently has a non-alkaloid hallucinogen huh. that, has, that has not been identified. Um, I've never had enough of it to have that effect. But it's easier to, it's, for me, it's been easier to grow than tarragon, and, which is in the same botanical family. But it is not, it's not quite the same. That plant, uh, the, the Mexican marigold, isn't that a perennial in many zones? Uh, they can be, but if you have, uh, none, of, none of the marigolds are, are hardy to, to real strong frost against them. There is one called Tahiti's lemoni, the Copper Canyon daisy or the Mount Lemon. The daisy uh, named for uh, that mountain outside of Tucson is uh, hardy, usually down to uh, if you have snow, a light snow, it will survive that, although it would probably be frozen back. The Crick Canyon daisy is a magnificent cloud of, of orange flowers a little bit later in the, in the fall. Uh, it's an interesting genus, beautiful flowers. Now, some people complain about the smell. Well, <laughs> it, it, the uh, the foliage of marigolds, all of them, uh, is strong. Although some marigolds have been bred uh, to, to not have the, this uh, characteristic smell, but there are some species: uh, Tigetes uh, elliptica and Tigetes minuta, where the plant is actually grown for that flavor, and it's an, an ingredient in in Peruvian cooking. Also, uh, associated areas like uh, Ecuador and Bolivia, and uh, I like the I like the flavor. Kind of like the flavor. I'll put it that way. Um, it's it's delicious with boiled potatoes as a sauce for guinea pig and other things like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did live in Peru in the mountains. So well, the next time I'm going to be uh, putting a guinea pig on the old uh, rotisserie, I'll remember that. <laughs> For a sauce, <laughs> and and the that, that would be Tagetes minuta. Now Tagetes minuta is a weed in the southeast U.S., but there are substances produced by the roots of the plant that are um, important to nematodes. So it, it's um, and other and some soil bacteria. In fact, it's not a good idea to plant marigolds with leguminous crops like beans. They get into a uh, a, a fight there at, at the root zone. I have a question. Yes, sir. What does guinea pig taste like? Oh, um, 
I, I would say chickens. Okay. <laughs> or or rabbit, maybe more rabbit. Okay. Very sweet, succulent, and and they're prepared so that they uh, you scald it like you would a chicken to get the feathers off, and in this case to get the fur off. And then the skin is when it's fried, it's very very crisp. And there's a compliment in the Andes. <laughs> I don't. I I just know it in Spanish where a young man will uh, be very enamored with the young lady, and he will say, you're as delicious as the f- golden fried skin of a guinea pig. Tu eres tan rico como el viejo turarps de un cuy. And uh, that's supposed to eventually turn heads. Yeah, um, that ranks right up there with a lyric from a Loretta Lynn song, which in the lyric was, hey, Loretta, I love you more than my Irish setter. But... <laughs> Something along those lines. All right. Something. Good. Aren't we a marvelous species? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, the marigold, it's easy to grow. It likes full sun, regular watering. It, it lasts until a good frost comes along. Again, it's, it's a, a beautiful plant, very colorful, used in a lot of ceremonies. A marigold, the Tagides or Tagides. And it's an Etruscan name. How many plants are named from the Etruscan language? Well, this is the first one I've come across, but I bet there are more. You know, Latin, the Latin language developed in that area, so. Yeah, Um, (laughs) that's interesting. Well, the marigold anyway, Warren Roberts of the UC Davis Arboretum and Public Garden. Thanks for telling us about the plant of the week, the marigold. You're welcome. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's episode of Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, subscribe to the free Garden Basics newsletter on Substack. Details are in today's show notes. The Garden Basics podcast will be on its winter schedule from November through January, and that means there will only be one episode per week during that three-month period. But because there's so much to talk about, there's a good chance those weekly episodes will be longer than 30 minutes. Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by SmartPots, and it's available for free wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.